You are listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I'm a general dentist, a practice owner, and a certified life coach. I teach women who own dental practices to lead with intention and literally fall in love with their businesses. Keep listening and you will see how learning to love your practice turns into loving your life too. Hey ladies, have you ever been in the middle of a clinical day when your assistant or your hygienist or someone who works for you does something that you want them to do a little bit different or maybe a lot different? Maybe you're a little bit irked or you're furious. Either way, I have felt the pain of being in the middle of taking care of humans and not being able to take the time right then and there to be the manager as well. And then what happens typically is we get to the end of the clinical day and we still haven't talked to that person about what we want them to do differently. And there's two reasons for that. One is because we really are busy. We really are. But the other one is that there's reasons our brain will give us not to have that conversation. It's uncomfortable. And we don't know exactly what we're going to say or how we're going to do it. We don't know how to have a conversation about positive changes that don't turn frustrating for the recipient or for us or both. And the thing is that I have had so many clients come to me and complain about this problem that I have actually made a course just for you, you female dental owners, and it doesn't cost anything at all. (laughs) I made it for you for free. It's deeper than I can go in just a podcast. So what I did was I put the whole course together in a, um, a little online bundle. And all you do is text me to get the course. So I have this number set up. It's 66866. Such an easy number to remember. And you just text the words, love your employees to the number, but you can't leave any spaces between the words or it won't come back. Correct. I don't know what you'll get if you leave a space, but so your autocorrect will want you to leave spaces there. You got to go back in and delete the spaces. Love your employees to 66866. And the next time someone does something in your practice that you want to change, you will have a very easy system that smooths out the speed bumps that our brain wants to put in place for us to not do the thing. But trust me, I have helped many women do this before. It's a tried and true plan. I use it myself, text the number, and then I'll see you in the course. Hey ladies, welcome back to my podcast. Dr. Laura Mock here, just swimming through the new year. I just had my first week of patient care for the year and it's going great. You know, it's been six months since my practice went fee for service. And I have to say, we did see people leave the practice, but we are seeing plenty more come back in and we're having a good time. If you're thinking about going fee for service, reach out to me. Um, I have things that I've done that I'm grateful I did things that I probably messed up on. And I'd love to have a chat with you about it. And we're this interview that um, is about to come on on this episode with a very smart woman, helpful woman, um, someone who, who has a lot of things to give us as women dentists who own our practices. Her name is Catherine Itell Belt. And her business is called Lion Speak. And she 
focuses on excellent communication. And I'm talking about with our patients, with our peers, and with our team. Um, this interview that we had, we really delved into getting to what's important with your patients and how to do that. So I encourage you to encourage you to listen to the entire interview. She gives instructions at the end for um, how to find this excellent tool called the Courageous Conversations Sheet that will help you to have conversations that normally you might feel like you need to shy away from, but that are very important. So anyway, listen in. Check out the show notes if you're feeling intrigued. And remember, you can reach out to me if you want to talk about going fee-for-service. And my free course is still online. Um, you can find that on my link tree and on my website, loveyourpractice.net, where I go through the ins and outs for having a discussion with an employee about something you want them to do differently. That's a hard one, isn't it? Don't we put that off? And the system that I have for doing that it's foolproof. It'll take all the drama out of the conversation. I can't, can, I can't guarantee that the employee will follow your leadership, but by the time you are done with the conversation, you will know if the employee wants to be there or not. It's really good stuff, and that's a free course. So loveyourpractice.net for that. Continue to listen in for this interview with Catherine I. Telbelt, and enjoy. We'll see you on the other side. All right, ladies, I would like to personally welcome a wonderful influencer in dentistry, Catherine Eitel Belt. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. It's a thrill to be here. I'm, I'm anxious to have our conversation today. I know I was kind of missing dentistry for a while because it's that week in between Christmas and New Year's. And I'm like, I need a tooth to drill on or something. <laughs> or a problem to solve or something. Yeah. <laughs> problem to solve. But you're all um where are you coming from where are you uh, southern california uh yeah and um it is you know 70 degrees and beautiful so yeah it's a great place to be at the holidays that is nice <laughs> well it's not as cold as it was but here yes. we're having um uh wind chills that were like minus 40 or so during ridiculous just yeah. incredible it was bad and the airlines are still having a hard time catching i know up. i'm so grateful i'm not flying and didn't fly through the holidays so grateful we yeah. often do so yeah. we flew but we did not fly southwest so that oh, was the key yeah. there we flew on allegiant down to scottsdale and then back. Mm -hmm. so yeah that was good but anyway you and i were just talking we've talked about this before in meetings that we were at about communication, mm -hmm. because you are a communication coach. That's kind of like um, your main thing that you do, right? Is you help people get across what they want to say. Yeah. And it can be really hard when we're dentists and we're wearing all these different hats. We're the technician, we're the entrepreneur, we're the person whose loan is on the name is on the bottom line of the loan and the person who's regulated by the board and the taxes and the, all the things. But then also like, there's the reason that we actually went into dentistry, which is almost ubiquitously. I always ask my clients and they all say the same thing, which is that they really like to help, mm -hmm. right? They like to help people. They like to use their hands to make something better. But the thing is that when we are wearing all these other hats, what can happen is our original intent gets muddled up 
by all these thoughts that we're having and we get into some, I don't know, I guess I would just say less than helpful head spaces. Right? Give me some examples of head spaces that are counterintuitive when you're trying to run a dental practice. Well, I think, first of all, we're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, and we often see what we do as being um, bossy, pushy, bad news, um, negative. And so whether it's to a patient, we're delivering a tr you know treatment plan that we suspect they weren't expecting at this visit, or it's more than they going to be more than they thought, that feels hard. And it feels like we just keep having to disappoint and upset people a lot. Um, and that can become tiring and it can really fray you at the edges over time. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel happy anymore. It doesn't feel um, like we're doing the thing that you said brought us here in the first place, right? But yeah. the same is true with employees. You know, we want to be a kind person. We want to be um, an understanding and empathetic boss. Um, but sometimes we just need something different and we need it now. And so sometimes in the run of a day, it can, it can come across as short feelings, get hurt. Mm -hmm. And there you are, you know, it, it wasn't intentional necessarily, but uh, it, it happens all the time. And then we go home <laughs> and then we're home, <laughs> you know, like we have it all again at home. So yeah. I think that those negative, the, the compounding effect, the compounding effect of feeling like what I'm communicating is being received as negative can really add up over time. And so um, those head spaces then just become the norm that you, you just, you think it is, it just is when in fact we've built it. Yes. Does we that make sense? We've built it. And I, and what's interesting, and I don't talk to men very often, so I can only speak to the women, but women, there are um, themes <laughs> Sure, sure. What <laughs> happens in our brains as we're doing our dentisting day? For example, maybe an assistant or someone at the front made a mistake, which mm -hmm. happens. Yep. Like it starts to feel so critical in our brains that they not make that mistake. That then, after the mistake is made, our brain goes takes us down this ride where we're like, I can't trust any of my people. They don't listen to me. Blah 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 blah. And so then we're in this deep dissatisfaction of like, nobody went to dental school and said, I'm going to be a manager. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, and yet here we are, we're managing. And then we try to go from that mistake to into the hygiene room or into that new patient exam where someone has set aside their day to find out what our opinion is of their mouths. I mean, literally they care so much. They've stopped their lives. They're laying back in the chair and opening their mouths and asking us what we think, right? But we've had that quarrel with our 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 employees, or um, or you know maybe we have a goal of we want to do fifty crowns this month or or whatever, and we're accidentally thinking of the patient is doing a favor to us in helping us with our goal, and so then when we look at it that way, we feel selfish right? Or sorry, like you said, for um, the suggestion that we're going to make, or just like, um, I'm delivering this bad news. I'm so sorry that I'm finding 15 cavities on you or whatever. But 
you're right. These are these are head spaces that make it really challenging to stop for a moment and be in the headspace that we want to be in when we make treatment suggestions, right? And what's really helpful, what do you find is helpful? What kind of headspace do we wanna be in when we're making treatment suggestions, do you think? Well, like you said, this is what we, what I do, what my company Lionspeak does uh, for a living, right? So we coach people on how to communicate what could be perceived as as bad news or hard news or demands or you know those kinds of things um and how to communicate it in a way that it lands the way you intended uh which wasn't personal which was hopefully to be helpful and to run a good business and be fair to everyone and uh, good for our patients right so all of that is what we do the and in every we what we coach on, we coach either patient-facing communications or team-facing communications. And in, in both cases, in both um, arenas, the very first place we start isn't with them. It's with us. It is how do we have some tools, quick tools, tools that we have loaded into our tool belt at all times that we have trust in and that we have some practice in so that we can quickly shift our internal we're calling it a headspace what we call it at line speak is uh, an emotional platform from which to actually speak words so i think it isn't an option as a matter of fact we're always speaking always you and i are speaking today from an emotional platform and we're either calm and secure and feeling excited about our conversation, or I just shared with you earlier, my parents have COVID, right? And so this morning I've been dealing with their elder, you know, they're in their eighties and COPD. And you're like, you feel yourself before our conversation, worrying about these things that I may have no control over. Or, and so I'm trying to do what I can, but it influences, or it had the it had the ability to influence how I would show up for this conversation today. So right before we got on, I'm so grateful that I have some tools to center myself, to get myself in a place that we could have a great conversation today, regardless of what is, is going on before. So those, those, that ability to do that, and I can share three three ways that that's been really helpful for me and that we coach on. And then we give frameworks. Um, we're, no, we're known wait, as- wait, I'm going to pause you for a second. Okay. We need this in snippets. Yeah. So let's talk about an emotional platform because we talk about emotions a lot on this podcast. Okay, good, good. And the reason is because everything that we do as a living being on this planet is because an emotion told us what to. Yeah. yeah. So we want to be aware of our emotions. We want to name them. We want to curate emotions that are helpful. And we want to process ones that are less than helpful when it comes to owning a dental practice and being a dentist. And so you say emotional platform and I'm like, you know, yeah. like <laughs> let's um, stay there for a while. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so before we talk about the tools, actually, what are the emotions that we want to be feeling? For example, when we are ready to do an exam 
in a treatment plan presentation. You say some, and then I want to say a couple too. Okay, good, good. good. So um, some of these are the same across the board for any conversation, and some are specific for presenting treatment to patients. So across, all, whether you're talking to an employee, your teenager, you know, uh, or a patient, you want to, you, it's important that you feel and, and believe that you are coming from the, from the platform of wanting things to be better, not just for you, but also for them, right? And so people could argue whether you are or you aren't, but you have to know. You have to know, I am only going to speak from a place where I know in my soul that I am presenting or um, discussing or bringing something up because I think it will be both good for you and good for me and potentially good for my business or for my team or for, a, you know, their families. I mean, it could have broader reaches, but I think coming from that place is important. Secondly, for me is a place of non-judgment. Okay. Non-judgment. Go back to the first one. What is the okay. name of that emotion? Is it helpful? Is it integritous? Is it? Yeah. Uh, oof, all the above. Um, I would say mostly for me, it is um, benevolent. Benevolent. Okay. Yeah. I'm here to help. Yeah. Let's find I have out. no, I'm not. I'm not doing this because I'm mad at you. If that's an employee, I'm not bringing this conversation up because um, I want to shame you. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to punish you or, you know, I've had it with you or whatever. Uh, and with patients, uh, I'm, I'm not giving this to you because I want to meet a goal. I'm not giving it to you. I have, that's never in, that's, I think should never be in our thinking. I feel like the score takes care of itself if we play really well on the field. It, the score will take care of itself. So the, the that's it. and I'm and I'm all for setting goals and all of that. But it's not in it's not something I'm thinking about in this conversation. Yeah. In the conversation, I'm um, I think the the goals and how we attain them are just a measurement of how well we're having these conversations. It's mm -hmm. a measurement of that. And so my desire is to just have great conversations. And I say that every person who communicates and wants to communicate well has should have the goal of two things creating two things one is clarity about whatever it is you're trying to communicate and a dose of inspiration around it now that could take different words but in other words i don't want a patient to walk away from a conversation with me more confused than clear about what i presented number one and I also want them to feel motivated and inspired to want to take a step toward it based on the way I presented it, based on my level of confidence and enthusiasm and empathy. Um, I want them to feel inclined to lean toward the recommendation. So that those are the goals. Those are the things I'm trying to create clarity. So if it if the tool doesn't help me create clarity or inspiration, then it's kind of out of my, it's out for me. So, okay. I heard three more emotions that you said, which I really like confidence, mm -hmm. empathy. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what the last one. I could either. <laughs> I'm famous for saying something I can't repeat. Um, Can I say one yeah. I think is really yeah, helpful? Yeah, yeah. This one never fails me. 
whether I'm talking to patients or, um, or team members, and that is curiosity. Mm -hmm. So if I am curious about what's going on with my patient, if I find out what's important to them, you know, is it that they want to be able to chew their whole life? Is it that they want their smile to be zhuzhed up or, or whatever it is, if I find out what's important to them, then I can make recommendations that are in line with their values, not mine. Sure. Sure. Their values. We teach that um, when we teach interviewing skills, which is what you would start with, with a patient. And that's where curiosity really lives is in those interviewing skills. So as you're doing this interviewing and, and curiosity is very much linked to non-judgment, not making a judgment ahead of, you know, but just being curious about where they are and with no right or wrong to it, just where are you so that I can, I can meet you there. Um, So in that interview, we, we help, clients to figure out, okay, just what you said, what are their values? What's the why behind why they would even want, want this? Uh, right. What is they? what do they want to change, improve, eliminate? What is that? And then we do the exam. And then when we either sit in the consultation room, or we sit them up at the chair to, t- to deliver our findings, we teach them to stop, to go back to the interview and say, based on what you told me earlier, or if it's a consult, you know, last week, based on what I learned when we sat down and talked initially, what I recall being most important to you was this, this, and this. And based on that, and now what I've seen, I've put together a treatment plan that I think will help you accomplish those goals. Do you see how it's all about them? It's all that this thing I put together isn't the same I would have put together for that same mouth with another set of goals. Now, maybe yes. it would have been, but, but you're basically communicating to the patient that I listened, I heard it mattered to me mm-hmm. and I've taken it. I've taken everything I've seen in your mouth, which is very neutral. Right. And I've run it through the filter of what you care about. And that has, has been what's informed this treatment plan I'm getting ready to present to you today. And, and if you have like, the non-judgment okay. that yeah. it has to be okay if that treatment plan isn't exactly the big money of the month, right? Like you might see number 19 is missing and they could get an implant there, but they already told you they don't care about that missing tooth. So you might find when you're in this non-judgmental space that you're making treatment plans that cost more or less than you would like to do. But if you do it that way and you follow the patient, then nobody, I have really high fees in my practice, but nobody ever comes away and writes a review saying she's expensive. Yeah. It's because I only told them treatment that they wanted to do in the first place. And if you felt really strong, I love that. And if you, if you felt really strongly about the the implant and what it would do, you could always say, you know, I remember you said you really weren't concerned about this missing tooth and that didn't matter to you. I think that it might have an impact on some of the other dentistry that I want to talk to you about. Are you interested in hearing what's possible there or would you rather not hear? Yeah. Or may I have your permission to explain to you why I'm concerned? Why I think so. So just, you know, go, you know, there it's like being fluid in the moment, but really keeping your focus on them. 
Yes. So I think that, so that's really important. And I think you and I talked about earlier, this idea, I, I had a, a dentist early in my career, um, refused to go in, even though the hygienist had come out in the hallway and said, you know, there's a bunch of, of stuff that, you know, this mouth's a mess and she's not expecting what I know you're going to, you know? And so, so in other words, there's a lot of bad news. And he said, no, no, that's not how we're going to present it. And he went in and I'll never forget him saying, he did his exam. He sat that patient up and he said, you know, it's been a, you know, like you, you shared with us, it's been a while since you've been to see a dentist and, and probably because of that, there's a lot going on here. Um, what I want you to know is I'm pretty excited because I'm glad you're here and I'm everything that I want to talk to you about. I'm excited because there's nothing I see in your mouth that we don't have a really great um, solution for. And we get we can take we get to be in charge of the timeline. So what I'd like to do is present some of these great solutions that could solve some of these. And so I re just remember him. It was the paradigm of the hygienist who thought it was bad news and this was all going to be hard for the patient versus that doctor saying, well, that's not the paradigm I'm going to present the same information in. Mm -hmm. I'm going to decide that this is good news, that I'm the deliverer and I'm excited and, to present and be the conduit for mm -hmm. these great options. And that's how he presented it. And she, she was... She heard it that way. And it was a much, I believe it was a much different conversation because of the frame and the emotional platform from which he was speaking. It was different. Yeah. yeah. What wow. do you think patients see and hear when they're interacting with a dentist who's apologetic instead of like this guy who was, this is good news. What do they see in their, the nonverbal cues and what do they hear and how does that change their ability to accept the information and go through with the care? Well, just rem just think about how we feel. Like if you if you if you found a house that you were interested in buying, and the realtor was apologetic about all the things that are going to have to be done to the house to make it really work. Mm -hmm. um, that's a that's a very different vibe um and it's going likely going to influence you now there may be some who are able to not be influenced but most people i think and we would say most of us would be influenced by that mm -hmm. versus a realtor who said well there's some things to do but the good news is there's solutions for all of them they're totally doable mm -hmm. and and the at this price and at this time, in making those investments, this would be amazing for you. It would it would get you X, Y, and Z that you told me you wanted, and you'd have it sooner than later. Mm -hmm. Right? That's a that's a different that's a more positive paradigm. Now, I'm not suggesting that we blow smoke up people's skirt. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that we're saying something that's not true. Or I mean, this all has to come from integrity. But assuming the integrity. Um, if we don't see it as good news, we won't be able to project that to patients. Now, what patients do with it is is not our, we, we do not have control over that. Correct. And letting that go is freedom. That is freedom for them and us. Yes. So I'm determined when I talk to clients and I do the same thing, you do too, Laura, when, we, when clients come to us and want to hire us for a project, my job is to 
to look at what is, make an evaluation, you know, and then talk about given these circumstances, here's what I think we could do and what you, how you would benefit and get what you're after. Um, and I know that when I believe in what we can do, I have faith in what's possible. And I am truly excited about what we could accomplish together. It has an impact. It has an impact on how they feel about the investment, how they feel about the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I don't think that patients are used to talking to dentists who oh. are curious and helpful and who, yeah. who are like, this is amazing. Look at all these things we can do. But if we can be the, those dentists, if we can be seeing how our treatment that we can do with our own hands is life-changing yes, and that it's helps patients meet, read their, reach their own oral health goals. I don't know. It just puts me in a place where I want to be like, do, 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 I can help you. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so true. It just yeah. comes off instead of being like, well, I'm really sorry. Or, well, you have these nine crappy molars or, or, you know, whatever it is, but it's, it just makes so much of a difference in how you sound and what you look like when you are so excited. Because it impacts your posture, yes. your facial expressions, mm -hmm. all of your expressions, your tone, all of that. So mm -hmm. the, we're not talking about, I mean, you might have to fake it a little bit in the beginning till you, especially if you've been used to operating in a more negative zone, but but the idea is that this isn't fake, that we actually are excited. We actually do see it as good news. And it's it's helpful to have a couple of patients' faces in your tool belt that you can recall at the end of their treatment when they said, that was easier than I thought. It was better than I thought. I wish I would have done it sooner. And I'm so glad that you helped me through it. We all have those patients. And when you keep their faces and their words in your mind, as you walk in to deliver this, you will do better at remembering the impact you could have. And so, you know, I believe, and we often um, coach uh, clinicians to say, look, in our practice, you're the final decision maker. I, I'm not the decision maker. My job is to show you what's possible and to make sure you have all the information you need to make a really informed decision and the best decision for you. I will respect whatever, there's no judgment here. I'll respect whatever decision you make. If it were me or you were my mother or whatever is appropriate, this is what I would recommend. This is what to accomplish the goals that you have and the things you want um, that you shared with me, this would be what I would recommend. And I, I train clinicians to say, and I'm excited about your case. I would like to get started as soon as you wanted to, because I know we're going to have a great result and I'm really excited to help you achieve it. I mean, I literally say you can't think it and not say it. I want you to verbalize. I'm anxious to get started on your case. I think we're going to have a beautiful result. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready the minute you are. I'd start today if I could. Well, you know what? We're, we're, we're known as the unscripted community. So I don't really care. You have to find the words that really fit for your personality. Mm -hmm. But but the ideas are the same. The idea of how do we put them in the driver's seat, give them the control they want, give them the information they need to make a good decision and help them know that from this perspective, we're ready. We're excited. Yeah. 
So I have one more comment and then I want to ask you about insurance. And that is that sometimes it can feel like we don't know how to come from a new emotional platform. We don't know how to go from the frustration that we're feeling at our team or, or this, or the scarcity or the fear that we're feeling about, um, uh, maybe the finances of the practice or, um, whatever there's a, there's 20 different reasons why we might be stressed or overwhelmed, um, in the middle of a clinical day. And I try to encourage my clients to have some mantras or some beliefs ready. You know, they can tattoo them on the inside of their eyelids if they want to, <laughs> <Just kidding. Yeah. laughs> but you know, have it ready on a piece of paper or, and this is something that it's not just a trite saying that someone just gave to you. This is something that you took time to yes. prepare for yourself. So I'll just give you a little example and then we'll move on. Cause this has been great. But so I just dropped all of my dental insurance contracts. I finished in June. And then we went fee for service and we started asking patients to go ahead and pay today. And the insurance check would come to them. And, you know, there's fallout to that. Sure. And my practice was bigger than it is now. And everybody was sick and the economy is going, you know. And so I looked at um, the schedule in November and I was like, okay, how much are we scheduled to? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was not very much. It was way less than what I needed to like just support the practice. And it could have been very easy to focus on that and to think about all the payroll and the loans and the and the reasons why people aren't coming in or you know everybody's got the the flu or or whatever. And what I did was I chose something that I'd already chosen before because I already knew it worked, which was who can I help today? And anytime that I started to feel scared, then I would go, okay, I see you. I see you amygdala. I'm named to my amygdala. Her name is Becky. So I'll go, it's okay, Becky. I've got you. This is fine. Today, all I'm going to do is I'm going to look for somebody to help. And then that put me into a space where I was open to helping, you know, maybe I would just put desensitizer on somebody. I didn't know. Or um, maybe I'd see them on an emergency basis, or maybe we would start a new full mouth uh, reconstruction. I didn't know. I was just telling myself that I was open to it and ready to be helpful. And so if there's someone listening who's like, I need help with that, you can call either of us probably. And we can help you figure out how to, um, to reset yourself to a new emotional platform, which you called it before you're ready to get in there and have those conversations with patients. Well, I have a question. How'd November turn out? Oh, we did great. <laughs> so I'm just saying. So, so here now, you now have proof. You have proof mm -hmm. that if we can, that it can look one way mm -hmm. and be another. Yes. And we have, we actually have lots of proof in our life of that, that it looked dire, but we didn't die. Yes, but nobody died. Well, and um, we still have, you know, the business, or we still have our health, or we still have our whatever the thing was, right? Yes. And so, I like the mantra. I have proof, and ha and have those proofs like right at the where you can remember them, that life is always working out for me, mm -hmm. and that everything that happens is for me, not to me. 
-hmm. for me. It's for me to learn. It's for without these moments, we don't, it's like you don't build muscle when you're relaxed. You build muscle when there's tension and stress on the muscle. You're lifting a weight or you're, you know, you're out for a run and you're pushing through a, a, a barrier. That that's what builds the um resilience and the strength and to build the same strength and the same muscle for our emotions and our emotional stability and platform um that's what that's what people who understand like if you think of the most zen person you've ever met mm -hmm. most have ever met it is fun to be in their presence because they they're not they don't get super excited but they also don't get super low they they have a it's like they take life at a an up level steady pace and they know there will be a a tug for high emotion and a tug for low emotion and they just know how to keep that sort of centered and that's what we're all i think working toward is how do we get into a space where we know we know i mean i'm 63 i have been through this will be the third if we're truly in a recession when it looks like we probably are mm -hmm. this will be the third one and i'm still standing right and there were lots of colleagues who had consulting and coaching practices and and clients that went under in the last recession mm -hmm. and i've seen other things like I, I was in dentistry early enough to remember that AIDS, when AIDS first became oh, yeah. epidemic, and it was an issue. People stopped going to the dentist. They were so afraid they were going to, con or the waterline contamination issues that were several months out of that year that people stopped going to the dentist. And, and so it, it, there have been these patterns. And so we, I assume that we'll, we will, not only will we get through this recession, but we're going to learn some things that we could have only learned in this recession. This recession will serve me and it will serve my clients and I will be a better coach because of it. And when I go into it like that, what am I going to learn? How life is working out for me there. And we know that in retrospect, like we look back and say, that divorce, that thing in my life was so traumatic but now looking back on it, I'm glad for it, or I see what I learned from it, or I'm so much better for it. Um, and wouldn't it be cool if we could remember that in the moment of, you know, that's what you did. You, you talked to that amygdala, that fear, yes. primitive fear. Okay. And, said, and you know, what's interesting, if you understand how the brain works. So you, you obviously understand that the amygdala is that primitive fighter, fighter, freeze kind of thing. But and so what gets released is cortisol, the, you know, adrenaline, those, mm -hmm. those very um, so the emotions or hormones and chemicals that can have a negative impact on our bodies and on definitely on how we communicate. Um, but when we, what you did is you said, but how could I remember that I'm here to serve people? And that was my initial goal to begin with in this career, regardless of the economy. And so let me come, when you did that, you actually came from the amygdala into the prefrontal cortex, which is where empathy resides. And when you ignite, you can see this on brain scans, when they, when you ignite empathy and um, care and uh, intellectual function, you know, that sort of that executive function, mm -hmm. um, make and make decisions. 
you release serotonin and dopamine and those hormones and chemicals that actually calm you and cause a feeling of well-being. So that discipline and that practice of, oh, I get what this is. Let me shift from that place in my brain. Let me engage my empathetic prefrontal cortex, make some different decisions and just watch what happens to how your body feels. It's because what this, re this part of the brain releases is very different than what this part of the brain releases. So yes. that's a, what you did was, was exactly what athletes have learned to do, what high performers in really any category have learned to do if they master their emotions. Mm -hmm. I agree. And definitely, I mean, because I am a certified life coach, I just have learned how to do it. I am my best client. Yes. But what I've learned is that if we can get our people into the right emotion, yes. your body takes care of the rest. You don't yes. have to know even have the words planned or anything, because then yes. you have the right nonverbals, the right tone, the right gestures, yes. the right words, because you're feeling that empathy, that curiosity, that helpfulness, instead of the icky Becky feelings that I have. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, that you, those can't take, you can't take someone else to a place you've not been or, yeah. or that you aren't. Mm -hmm. And so if you want your clients to feel positive and good about going forward, even in spite of a recession in their lives, you have to already be there. Yeah. You have to already be in the space of it makes sense to do this. Um, and I'm okay in the recession. You've got to already be there. If you want your employees to take responsibility for their results and their outcomes and their um, the quality of their work, you have to take responsibility for what got miscommunicated that they didn't know that was important to begin with. You go first. So when you step into a place of, I'm going to take some responsibility for whatever piece of this dysfunction and fallout is mine. And I'm going to demonstrate it. So they see firsthand, number one, I'm there and I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And number two, um, I, I show how to do it. I, I demonstrate how to do it. And so we always say, I mean, when we think about employees, there, there really are four reasons I've identified why people don't do what we wanted them to do in the first place. Okay. One is, and, and I think these are sequential, but we tend to go, and I'll give you all four, but we tend to go like someone upsets us. They don't do what they, they cross a boundary or something. And we go to number four first. I want to invite you to not go to number four before you start with the first three. So here they are. The first one is, were they ever clear uh, crystal clear about what my expectation was to begin with. And often I find we think we were clear. We're like, yeah. well, it was in the employee manual and it was in the job description and they got trained by Sarah and this is how we've always done it. So of course, and I've talked to her three times, she was clear, but I contend the only way we can check that box is if they could repeat back to us what the expectation was to our satisfaction. If they cannot repeat back to us to our satisfaction what that expectation was, we can't check that box. So checking that box first is super important. And that may be a piece where we have some responsibility. We thought we were clear, but in fact, we weren't. And often that takes care of it. Now they're clear. Now we get a different result. But let's just say they can repeat it back to you. 
and you go, okay, well, clarity is not the issue. The next one is, um, are, were they trained? So assuming that's applicable, did I, someone could be clear that like, we see this often when we teach courageous conversations, they're clear that the expectation is that they will handle their issues with other, co you know, coworkers using this system. Um, they're clear that's the expectation, but they don't have any mastery of the skill. And so they don't go take care of the issue with their coworker, because, not because they aren't clear, but because they actually don't have mastery or don't know how to do it. And so that's where training comes in. You know, if they're clear, were they also trained? And the only way we know if they're trained is they can show us, they can demonstrate it for us. Mm -hmm. If we check both of those boxes, the third one is, are they capable? Are they physically capable? In other words, we have the right button, the right seat. Are they intellectually capable? Do they have the IQ or the mathematical skills to handle our books? you know, and balance the day sheet. I mean, there are some of those IQ and physical capability issues that can get in the way. But if you can check yes to all three of those, the fourth one is, are they willing? Yeah. They willing? If they're clear and they're trained and they're capable, mm -hmm. are they willing? And are if they're not willing, it often, I find, centers around they don't agree it's the right way to do it or they don't agree with the level of priority we've given and they just disagree and they dig in their heels. So, but you can imagine, Laura, the conversation we have with someone who's not willing and we've checked off the first three boxes is a different courageous conversation than if they weren't clear. That's, yeah. that, that's much easier. So maybe that's helpful for some of your clients and listeners um, to think about where where have I taken and made sure that I've done my part in this breakdown and this dysfunction before I jump to the fact that they're not willing? And I would just like to speak to the fact that my Becky would want to jump straight to four. And that is because my brain is interested in identifying and eliminating threats in my life. My brain is trying to protect me as an organ, sure. right? And sure. so it just only makes sense just from an evolutionary perspective, that I'm going to accidentally jump to a conclusion like that, which would actually probably hurt my ability to be a good leader if it's one, two, or three. Yes. So if I can be on to my own Becky and go, oh, I, I understand what you're trying to do here, Becky. And I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. you're trying to protect me. I get it. But I need to be centered and know that I'm okay. Yeah. My organism is safe. So that I can check these first three yeah. before I find out if someone needs to go bye-bye. And even if it is four, telling Becky that when we, when and if we get to four, mm -hmm. we're going to now have a framework and a way to have that conversation that will be good for them and for us. It will not be bad for them. No matter how they perceive it, we will come from the, the aspect that we want to, tr we want to move them up or we want to move them on, up or on. Yeah, and they, might be, they might need to be in another yeah. space right now where they'll yes. be happier or yes. they feel like they're aligned with their own. And health. I know a lot of people, you know, it's they give they, some sarcasm to that. I'm not being sarcastic about it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, what I want for my employees, what I most want for them, because I truly care about them as human beings, because they're amazing human beings. And what I want for them is to come to work and be happy for the most part, be satisfied, be excited about what we're doing. And the day that doesn't 
isn't happening, what I want most for them, if I want to not be a selfish person, is to make sure that they move on to the place, if that's going back home to their kids or moving on to another job or another boss or whatever it is, I it, it matters to me that, mm -hmm. that the people in my life that I care about are as happy as I can influence. And so I hope that that's with me, but if there comes a day that's not, then that's really what I want for them. And even if they wanted to stay and fight the fight, I might say, I, you know, this is a requirement and you've already expressed that, you know, getting here at 7.30 in the morning is a hardship for your family. And the last thing I want is for you to come to work every day feeling really badly about this. So let's either find a way to make this work for your family and for you, or let's talk about what another alternative might look like so that you enjoy your work. And that's okay. Like having right? an employee leave the office isn't necessarily yeah. a failure. Right. And that's okay. So it's so such a beautiful thing when you begin to explore. I've had people say to me, this has been life-changing across all of my relationships because instead of it's them or me, mm -hmm. um, and they need to get what I'm trying to say and do it different or else, um, people, people either run toward that as big time fighters or they avoid it because they don't wanna be in that battle. And either way is not very productive. So giving people a third alternative where we can hold our space, hold our boundaries, say what needs to be said, have it our way. Mm -hmm. um, if, you're, if your listeners are mostly business owners or they are in charge of a group of people that they're leading, then we have every right to want it our way. And I don't even think, not only do we not have to justify it to anybody who works for us or comes to us, um, I don't think we have to justify it to ourselves. We, I mean, I like broccoli and my husband likes Brussels sprouts. Who, 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 who cares? Who, who cares why? I just, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just is. And so I like to start work at a certain time for me. Other people like earlier or later. I like certain kinds of work and certain kinds of clients and others I'm not a good fit for. Who knows why? But when I get true about that and unapologetic about it, and don't feel the need to justify it, then all it becomes is a conversation about alignment. Is someone working for me aligned with where I'm going and how I wanna behave on the way and the boundaries I wanna put in place for what's best for me? And I, as a business owner, that's one of the luxuries that I inherit. We inherit a lot of stress and a lot of responsibility, taxes and payroll and you know, um, a, a lot of things. But one of the luxuries we get is we get to craft it any way we want. And I hold on to that really dearly. And I don't apologize or justify it. And I just say, all I'm looking for are clients, you know, and your in your um listeners, it's probably patients um, and employees that align naturally and well well with my with my vision and my um, journey, you know, values and standards, my standards along the way. And when the, you find that alignment, of, it's there's a lot of women who own dental practices who kick against that, yeah. who feel like they have to keep the employees or keep the patients that they have, instead of allowing them to self-select into a space that's that reflects her values. Yeah. There's a lot of satisfaction that comes in just yes. letting the people who don't align go find something new and make space for something that's more peaceful and better. And feel positive about that. 
Yes. And that's, that's not a failure. This was yes. a win. This that was you had positive influence on that happening is such a wonderful thing. And when you go into conflict that way, when you go into it as an opportunity to help create better alignment for both parties, mm -hmm. it becomes a whole new conversation uh, instead of this bad conflict idea. And so we're about changing. I mean, the, uh, the initial thing we want to do is change the frame change the frame of the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it's it's really fun work. It's really fun work. So, okay, I have one last question for you. Sure. And then we're out of time. So, okay, <laughs> darn. I love you for things of a reason why an employee wouldn't be doing something. Like how could someone review those four things? Like, yeah, okay. Exist? So I, I will send you a link that your and a QR code that goes with it and you can can you put it in the show notes yeah. of the mm -hmm. podcast and it will take them to um, a web page that has not just these uh, I have a little article about those four things mm -hmm. but it also has um, we call it our um, courageous conversation support sheet and it's just a it's just a one sh one sheet. You could I would love for them to print it out, put it in your, the bulletin board at home in your kitchen, put it in your bulletin board at work. Talk talk about it at a team meeting. On the left, it has the mindset shift pieces, and on the right, it has the framework for the conversation. Now we didn't really dive into those, but it would give you this sort of bird's eye view of some tools that you may not have ever had to go have a courageous conversation. Yeah. Oh, that'll be a great thing. And I would just love to have those four things in front of me. Yep. Next time I'm like, why did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just yeah. a sec. Let me just check my four things. Check the boxes. Yeah. I, learned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will send that to you. Yeah, because okay. I'm, I'm on a mission. I mean, I, you know, would love to talk to anybody who wants to talk to us about the work we do, but I'm writing a book on this right now. I'm, I'm on a mission to like, I want to get it to young people. I want to get it to people before they even start their careers so that they, they, they get that everything we do is through communication. And when we have these tools, we are just going to be better communicators. And that means our relationships are better our workflow is better. Our days are better. Our and I think our the world, Laura, I think the world is better. I mean, just turn on the news and you'll see the inability we have as a population to express a difference of opinion in a civilized, dignified, productive way. And it's totally and something that's within our power. It is. It oh. is. So we're on a mission. We'd love to spread it and we'll do whatever we can to help so anyone who's listening who wants the four things and then the framework to go to loveyourpractice.net and look for this um, episode with Catherine Itell Belt and the link will be in the show notes. And this was so fun. Isn't it, it fun to someone that you're so aligned with? And um, Yes, yes. I, I really enjoy it. I mean, it's this has been one of my favorite podcasts so far because uh, we're so aligned. And, you know, I'd love to be back on. We never really got into the insurance question and all that. So let's do it again. And we'll take on some other, you know, the, the oh. things that are really challenges in your in your listeners' world. I am sure that a lot of my clients would and listeners would like to hear more talking points on yeah. stuff about dental insurance. Yeah. So. yeah, I'd love to do it. So this won't be. I'll say uh, goodbye for now. For now, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. I tell about. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to my podcast today. I'm Dr. Laura Mock signing out. 
Remember, if you want to take that free course on correcting your employees, text the words love your employees with no spaces to 66866. Thanks, ladies. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I would love to meet you. To join our movement, find the Facebook group called Love Your Practice and request to join. If you can't find it, just send me a message and I'll add you. You'll find me there helping all of my ladies to fall in love with their businesses and have a better life.